Trade Talk, powered by Travis Perkins. Hello and welcome to Trade Talk. This is a podcast for anybody who's in the trade or thinking about starting in the trade. Joining me today is Carl and Jake. Guys, if you'd like to introduce yourselves. Hello, Sally. Good to see you again. Yes, my name is Carl Conway. I have a building company, KLC Builders, in South Manchester. Hi, Sally again. It's my name is Jake Keenan and I'm a branch manager at Travis Perkins. And I am your host, Sally Wallace, and I am the wife of a gentleman in the trade. I have been the wife of a tradie now for 15 years and I'm still smiling. I'm still smiling and I can drive almost every van going, <laughs> which actually we'll touch upon in today's episode. But today it is a bit of a miserable day where we are. It is raining. Uh, but of course, if you are on the tools at the moment, you, you will be working, no doubt, because it's definitely an industry where come rain or come shine, you've got to work, which is pretty much right. Is that is that the way, Carl? It is. It is. It's very hard. Uh, certain trades that you do, let's look at uh, the groundworks, building, bricklaying. Uh, if it's raining, you, you, you've had it. You can't do anything unless you've got a shelter above you. You can get big scaffolds with big roofs on it, but it's big money as well to cover you. But yeah, usually when you're doing the outside work, if the rain stops you, you, you're all sat in the portaloo toilet or the cabin. That's it. <laughs> you yeah, can't be a fair. Uh, I was going to say, you just cannot be a fair weather tradie, can you? It's not something you can think, oh, I think I'll work in the tools this summer and then stop it for the winter. Uh, it's just one of those, it's it's literally a skill and a trade that you have to do constantly yeah. regardless. Yeah. And like you said, I suppose if you're a roofer as well, uh, on a rainy day or even the ice and the cold is just something where I suppose you've got to do it, haven't you, really? At some point, you've got to get up there, regardless of whether it's freezing cold or not. You yeah, the you've safety got to aspects do. has got to be there. But it's to do with, like, if it's raining and you've, you've got a sand cement mix there, it, if the rain hits, it just runs down the wall. It's just going to ruin it. So you'll spend more time cleaning it. So it's a matter of just covering up and, and waiting. So, some trades you get away with, you can, you know, if you're doing roofing, you, as long as you're safe on whatever scaffold you're on, you can place a tile it doesn't affect the materials so some things you get a little bit of work out of but most of the time yeah it's uh, just a waiting and which then can delay your next job with time um being a builder's wife i um uh, yeah we've had our fair share of renovations in fact we, we've got one which is imminent as i speak uh, but on our old house that we renovated we did a, a, an extension on the side of it and i'll never forget i was doing really early mornings um and i was coming back from my job at about probably about half 10 11 o'clock and i knew that the roofers were arriving i knew that the roofers were going to be on site that day uh, and as i'm pulling up outside the house there's two police cars parked outside my house to which I thought oh, i've been burgled i've been burgled like this but <laughs> it wasn't. It was the roofers were waiting for the rain to pass to go, and they basically were just sat in the extension. So they were just sat in the extension having a brew, helping themselves just out from the rain. And somebody in the neighbourhood watch had called the police because they knew that I was on an early. And as I turn up, he goes, that, "That's her there. That, that's that's me boss's wife." Like this, and I was like, "Is there a problem?" We just thought that these people were squatting or that they're up to no good. I was like, "No, bless them," because they're all wearing the fair you know, like the rainy weather gear and they probably look like they're all like with their hoods up and everything. They might look a little bit ruffian. <laughs> but yeah, they almost got arrested for just from hiding from the rain. Which is which is great actually. It was it's a conversation that we you know, well actually it's a story that I've told many times, but there's there's a certain level of banter that needs to happen, I think, on every site. And, and to be fair, in any workplace you have to have that certain element of banter. But the trade is renowned for banter I mean Jake even though you know you're working for a company you must still have that element of banter with your team yeah I think even though Travis Burke is a professional PLC company there's in-house in the branches is 
astronomical amounts of banter, whether uh, that would be between staff and themselves or the builders coming in. Uh, we see most of the builders more friends and family rather than clients and customers. Um, we know them on personal levels. We know what they do at the weekend. We know what they do in the evenings. We know who the wives are, who the children are. It's just that good connection between us and it, and it, it helps drive a lot of personality traits within the branch, uh, which brings out a lot of conversations and banter together. It can build confidence as well because when, when you're having a laugh, you feel more relaxed and it's almost like you enjoy your job. You know, you enjoy going to work and there's a, uh, you know, there's that old fashioned saying of, you know, if, if, if you're laughing every day, you're not really working, are you? You're just getting paid to have fun and is, isn't that great? And then Carl, obviously, on the flip side of things, there's no HR department where you are, is there? Uh, <laughs> there's no, no PLC where you are. No, no. You, you, it's a different league of people that work on a building site. You have to be not take things personal you've got to have a, a laugh whether you give it back or not but there's always someone you know you'll be listening to the radio one minute and then sending in for a long stand the next minute and then see how that goes <laughs> you know, so, you know there's plenty of things but yeah you've got to you've got to have a laugh it, it, that's what makes it you've got to enjoy your job and uh, and the people that you work with I know for a fact that my name has been dragged through the mud a few times on site where one of the lads has gone, hang on a minute, Scott, I've got to go because your wife's calling me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And then to the responsive, it's all right, I saw your missus at lunch. So the banter can get a little bit close to the mark sometimes. Yes. So like you said, you can't take anything personal, no, can you? And of course, like especially with young people that are coming into the trade, even my husband said this, you don't want to scare them off. Yeah. There's a good balance that we get involved with. I People would, know limits yeah. and certain customers that come in don't get involved with banter. That's, and that's exactly absolutely it. fine as well. That's uh, it. We'll speak to them in a different term of manner, but when the, when your mate Tim, the builder, comes down the road and you've known Tim for 10 years, you're going to laugh and joke with him behind the doors and, and it is, it's a good environment to be in. Yeah, and honestly, I, I wouldn't mind getting a call from some of the lads that work for my husband any day. <laughs> it's okay, I know he's not listening, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, just to keep everyone going, you know, if you've got a lot of working lads and you've got a lot of work going on, it's always best to sometimes just take that day and have, you know, a special day, take them out, just at any problems, have a talk about it. And, and it gets things off the chest rather than yeah. if, if there is a problem, rather than bottling it all up, then you can deal with it and sort it out. And, yeah. you know, it's usually with either young uh, apprentices coming in and not doing as they're told. You know, obviously, the, you don't want that argument between two tradesmen. They need to come to you so you can sort it out as a middleman. Absolutely. And you know what? That's really great that you've said that because that's something that I think it, I, I know for a fact that, you know, with my husband and his business, he's really aware of that. And it's OK to have those conversations. It's good to have those conversations because you're just kind of letting everybody know what's going on. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And it's just keeping everybody aware. But I do think that it's, it's, it is wonderful to keep laughing. And, and that's one thing that I think is so, I mean, some of the jokes that I've heard and some of the things that go on on site, I just, I find it hilarious. I do. But it's not like somebody, one person's been singled out. It's not that kind of no. banter. It's almost like a group banter. And I think that that is, that's, that's pretty priceless really, isn't yeah. it? Always the apprentice gets it Listen, I have actually been on the tools once. I did it once when we were having our own extension. We were having a knock through and the lad that was the apprentice at the time didn't turn up. So I actually had to go on the wheelbarrow for the whole day to clear these bricks where they were doing this big knock through. And Scott was hilarious. He goes, right, love, Sal, I'm going to give you my boots because I've got quite big feet. Right, he goes, just put some extra socks on, you'll be all right. And then I want you to take that wheelbarrow up that, I mean, 
pushing a wheelbarrow up a ramp is a challenge in itself. And when it's full of bricks, then you've got to tip it through a bay window to get to the skip. <laughs> was horrendous. But I did do it. I did it. And I mean, the you know, the, by the end of it, my nickname was Steve-O. <laughs> it made me feel very unsexy. <laughs> I still had mascara on the whole time. <laughs> I've got decent nails. I don't know how you've got it. Oh, I don't have my nails done. I've got dogs and kids that don't have my nails done. But Ollie said, take your ring off, love. Take your ring off. Forget your wellies on. Here you go. Sal, put these gloves on. My gloves were enormous. Like these canvas things. They look like a scuba suit. You know, like the old fashioned, like deep diving suit. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't a great day. I, I did look like Gollum on the sofa at the end of it, like. <laughs> but the laughs that we had at my expense. But you know what? I, I'm a big believer. in if you can't laugh at yourself first, what's yeah. the point? But it was just fantastic. It really, really was good fun. One thing I really want to touch upon today in today's episode is pricing jobs. And I think this is quite an interesting subject. Um, and that is, with when, especially when you've just got started in the trade, you know, how do you go about pricing a job? Is there any, any sort of um, anything that you can utilise nowadays where it can help you estimate a job or estimate your materials? I don't know whether this is something that you've experienced, Carl, and, and how do you price your jobs? Yeah, um, well, I always say to people that uh, phone me straight away is speak to a builder first to get an approximate price of what you're thinking of doing for your job. And if that works on their prices in their budgets, then the next stage is to go to an architect to get some drawings so you've got it in black and white of what you want to do. Uh, from there on, once you've got the drawings, uh, most people will be pretty much entertained on pricing it for you. If you haven't got any drawings, I think they're kind of thinking you're still in that guessing stage and wondering stage, are you going to do the job? They don't want to waste too much time. So when you've got a set of drawings and you've done your homework with the builder before on that price, then you can go to someone like Travis Perkins that will take your drawings from you and then price all the materials and the labour for you. And then obviously come back with a price, you can alter it or add on to it, whatever you want. Uh, as a general rule, if you've uh, not gone for a pricing system, let's say you're thinking of an extension, you're looking at the floor space. When I talk about this, the internal floor space, you're measuring per metre of how many metres is in that floor space. And then generally around about 1500 to £2,000 as a meter. So that would give you an average cost of the build for the outside shell. If you're going to price anything like a chimney to be put in, Velux windows, or you want bigger windows like folding, then you're kind of adding them on. So as a meterage, you can look around 1500 to 2000 pound and that would give you a guess. But generally I would go to Travis and just say, there's my drawings. How much would all the materials cost? And then work out what they say with the labor against my labor. Is that something that you provide then? Is it Jake? Yeah, so we offer uh, an in-house estimating service. Oh, right. There's a charge for that. Different size of builds all depends. What's, are you having a single story extension of a double wraparound? Are you having a new build? But yeah, if, as soon as you get your drawings and your plans, or even before then as well, you can always pop in and we'll disclose a couple of prices with you. We'll work with your builder and we'll try and get you the best rate as possible. Well, this is going to be something that can get a little bit sticky. I can imagine is when you've actually given a price to a customer and then you've started the job and they've started changing things. They've yes. changed windows. Yeah, they've changed. <clears throat> and that in itself must be a challenge, but also for yourself, Jake, because then you've got to re sort of reevaluate things as well. So how do you overcome that hurdle? Well, it's having it in black and white, isn't it? Right. You know, let's say you look at each section that's priced uh, from the building to the bathroom to the electrics. If you're looking at the bathroom and then suddenly uh, each in the suite section, you're looking at the sink and the sink's put in for £100, but yet you've seen something with gold taps and you want to change it. Well, you're just deducting that £100. You've got the price there already. You can see it yourself. It's not like you've gone to the building and said, how much did you put in? And he's just gone, oh, I only put 30 quid in. 
so you're only deducting £30. So it kind of keeps you informed. You've done your own homework by having this system done, whether there's a small charge on having it done. I would always recommend getting everything in black and white so any changes, it makes it so much easier. So when you're pricing for a customer, do you always have an estimate? You always literally, um, you will literally list everything then so it is physical yeah, for them to I, see. I, I don't do it without, to be honest. Uh, I, I won't just give uh, a letterhead and say, listen, that's going to be £60,000 for your extension and you get that and that and that. I like to have everything down so that one, it helps with stage payments as well by getting this done. So if you're having the bathroom done, you can pay for the bathroom only and you know that you're not giving a builder, say, £20,000 when he's asking for it, you're just looking at that stage payment and you're going, okay, the bathroom suite's five, six thousand. And so, so for anybody who's just starting out in the trade at the moment, regardless of whether they're bricklaying or plasterer, that's something that you would massively be an advocate of is make sure that you put a breakdown of everything on your invoice. Yeah. I suppose then it's for you, it's really for your own protection then, isn't it, as a tradesman, yeah, yeah. is that you've got something to refer to when it does come to that payment time yeah. or if they are making amendments, at least you've got a record of it as yeah. well. It also puts down for uh, material quantities. Yep, yeah, that's right. It's yep, just yep. literally every section is telling you how many bricks, how many sand, how many cement that you're actually going to buy. And each one's got their own individual price. And then let's say, for instance, you're looking at the doors. They might say, right, well, your front door is going to cost you £300. And then the next stage might be the labour side. And to fit that door could be 150 but what they'll do is they'll give you the accurate material price to that date of whatever you've priced it at. But on the material side, sorry, on the labour side of it, you'll be giving a 10% rise and fall because not everyone's labour is the same. Some yep. might go a little bit cheaper to get the job. Some might think they're a bit more to detail to the job and then might put that on. So it gives you that little bit of rise and fall on the labour. But overall, it should give you a proposed price of what you should be paying. In my eyes, if you're spending anything over twenty, thirty thousand pounds just get it in black and white. If you're having a little job where you're just skimming the walls, no problem at all. You can go to whoever, a one-man band, and just say, how much is that going to cost you? There's no really interruption with any changes. See, this is interesting, isn't it? It's like, um, with regards to the uh, like advertising side of things, you just said, if you're a one-man band and you're just skimming and you're just doing a skim, mm -hmm. it's almost like... I mean, obviously nowadays people, I think there's um, different apps that you can go on to which like, can recommend a trade and so on and so forth. But how have you found your best way of getting business? Has it been through word of mouth? It is word of mouth yeah. building it up over the years and, and people watching you. So once a job is done on a street, sometimes it's very hard to get out of that area. You seem to stay in it because people like to see what's going on with their own eyes. Even though a recommendation can be great, but I've heard recommendations go sour mm. where they've, they've got different lads in or, you know, and they've not done the right job and they've gone back to that person that's recommended it and gone, well, you know, it was all right at the time that we did it. But people, if they, they decided to get an extension there and then they want it more or less going within the next couple of months, unless you're going to wait for that one person that's been recommended and you will wait for that time until they're ready. But yeah. Having the van signed, we did speak about the tools in the van, which is a problem, but having signage on the van is always a good one. Having a board outside is always a good advertisement, but usually it's the customer. Once you've done that one job, they will recommend you, and if it's all gone smoothly, that's the best way of getting it. Trade Talk.
Powered by Travis Perkins. For somebody who is in the trade, you have to think that you are, and I've mentioned this before in other episodes, you are, you're, you, you know, you've got to be your own marketing department. You're almost your own accountant in some cases as well. Uh, you're, you're your own salesman, salesman aren't yeah, you? So you're your one. own salesman yeah. because I can only imagine with certain um, materials you want to upsell as well because at the end of the day, you don't want to undervalue your yeah. what your worth is. And I suppose, you know, going back to the pricing element of things, yes, you want to be fair, but at the same time, you know, you need to value your own work. And I think that's what, not just people in the trade, I think people in other aspects of, you know, work can also undervalue themselves. Um, And maybe that's something that you might have come across as well, where you think, hang on a minute, is that a bit too much? But then surely you have to give yourself that little bit of relief. Reputation speaks volumes. There you go. It does, definitely. And I think, um, like Carlos had mentioned before, people walking past, it's a massive, just a cleanliness of sights. You can you can tell nine times out of the time a clean site or a visually looking clean from from the roadside will speak volumes for the builder, um, yeah. and someone walking past might want an extension next two years and they'll, and they'll remember the sign outside they'll remember Carl's name and they think you know I'm going to give him a call yeah they do no one's recommended yeah. him but you know what I've liked the, what his work I've seen his work people like to see what, yeah. what they're getting you'd be built. amazed they'll knock on the door and yeah. just say how was your builders how did it yeah. go you know they're not afraid of knocking on the door now and seeing a job and asking how it went you know there's there's yeah, it's, that, that's the best advertisement, really, that you're going to get. That's so true. People liked it. People, when they're buying, regardless of what it is, they so, want to see it, touch it. I know it sounds crazy, yeah. but they do. They want to see it and touch it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which really is so true. Without going and seeing it, would you? Absolutely. If you spend 100 grand on, on a triple extension, you're going to want to see what this bill has been done previously, whether that be on Facebook or it be on online. Most things is online now, isn't it? You know, they're going to want something, they'll tap it in, they'll put yeah. South Manchester, they'll put Builder, they'll put where to buy stuff and everything. And from there, because I, I always ask when people phone us, where did you get us from? And some people just go to the internet, you know, and I do YouTube videos occasionally, which probably pushes me up a bit because I don't really spend a great fortune on the advertisement on the internet. But yet there is a lot of people coming through. And to me, it's a stab in the dark. But when yeah. people meet you without being too crude on it, as long as you don't give too, you know, you don't give, BS out, yeah, yeah, people yeah. realise that they're confident with you, they're happy for you, again, to take them keys to your house and work while they're away. So it's a big thing. It's, oh, it's huge. It's absolutely huge because at the end of the day, you know, it's it's your reputation as well, isn't it? That's yeah. what it is. So it's your, you know, your reputation's at stake here. And this is where, you know, um, certain builders won't recommend certain tradespeople because it'll come back to you at the yeah. end of the day as well. So it's, you know, it is... And, and from experience, we had our first home together. Uh, my husband renovated it. We, then we extended it. I would come home from work and I would find strangers in my kitchen all the time because he used our house as his, like, like it was like his, it, that was his social media account yeah. because that was what he created. I and mean, it was incredible. And to be fair, you know, respect to my husband is sold within a few days when we put it up on the market. But when I get back to customers want to, they want to test it. They want to have a look at it, touch it and try it. The amount yeah. of bums I had on my toilet seats. I'm not joking. I've been, I've been getting this. Did you let him have a wee? Have you wiped it down? Oh, for God's sake, I don't know that bloke. Yeah. <laughs> he's all right. He's all right. Always a poor loo toilet. If you're not bringing her own toilet, there's something wrong. Random people using me loo. I was like, oh my God, here we go again. Customers have to again be like stand because you know you're letting all these tradesmen really take over your house and you're living with them if you're living in the house at the time as it's going on because some people can't afford to go to hotels and leave it to you know it does make it a bit quicker and a bit easier by just dropping your tools where you are 
But when you've got pets or you've got animals, again, it's the running of the job of how easy you make it and how safe you make it for that family still to be away from the work on one side of the house, but live in the other side of the house and knowing that you've been with them for six months, that your head's not spinning because you don't know who's just come through your door. Yeah, that's so true. That's yeah. so, so true. I've, you know, I've lived through it um, and, you know, it's it's a... Uh sort of waking up in the morning to having two skips on your driveway and they're probably going to be there for a few months mm. as well as probably some tarpaulin on your roof and a load of scaffolding around your house and then next minute you know you've got four dro- four vans outside four yeah. vans that have just been tucked either on your drive off your drive and then your neighbours are going it's in front of my drive and All you're like oh god shouting at each other yes yeah <laughs> and like the, the vans that, that can collect up are just unbelievable but do you know what I, we've, I've, I've said this on a, a couple of episodes before we are going to talk about vans because vans and the you know the work machines are so important and they are a crucial part of the trade without them you cannot do your job um and getting a van it's you know you, so many different ways you can either buy a van you can either uh, lease a van and you know there's different ways you can either do it through business contract hire you can do it through personal contract hire um and there's so many different ways of actually acquiring a van but when you're trying to get yourself started trying to get that van mm. can be a real challenge and yeah. getting the right van that's going to work for you as well yeah. um do, do you have a van at the moment Carl? we do we do vans trailers uh it, they're very very handy i mean you've got your merchants that you could order and if you're well in time you can order so many pallets and bricks and they will drop it wherever they want it but if you've come across something and you need say another two big pieces of plasterboard you can't just get that delivery just there and then you know the merchants are that busy so you know you've got to book them in so having the van and having the trailer trailer's okay but a rainy day it's going to get wet but having a van uh, to get your stuff in there is worth its weight in gold it is the workhorse without that you're not going anywhere so you've got to have decent machines and decent van to get you around because you do do deliveries, don't you? Travis, you have huge amounts of deliveries that go yes. out. Yeah, 50% of our work is, is from deliveries, 50% is collections. Um, so half the business drive is from delivering materials to customers. Uh, we have a couple of machines. We have a, a Hayab. So you have wagons that can carry up to 14 tonne, 13 and a half tonne, I think it is, of materials mm-hmm. at one in one trip. So that's half, a, half an extension build on there for you, no problem, free of charge as well. We also have Moffits. So, you know, the forklift trucks, that stuff, yeah. for the wagons. So the difficult uh, sites, the bigger sites that need to go to the other side of the site for the pallets, we'll, we'll, we'll deliver them too. We have small vans for the handy stuff. Um, and yeah, it's all it's all massive so assets to us. We've been through so many vans in our house. I mean, and when they've broken down, it's been game over. For my, he can't even hold his temper when his van's broken down because yeah. it's 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 well, he's losing money. That's exactly how he yeah. sees it. Um, there's been some choice words that have been used in the past about certain vans. <laughs> oh, I've got to tell you this: we had an Ivaco, um, you know, like the big long wheel based Ivaco, and it was one of those high ones. It was huge, like a big DPD delivery van. It was manual, which was horrendous as well. But obviously being a tradie's wife, I'm I'm not opposed to moving a van. I used to have to move the van to get the car out the driveway all the time. This thing didn't even have a handbrake on it at one point. The handbrake was gone and it was massive. Um, but I actually drove it everywhere. I used to drive it everywhere, hence why my trade name is Stevo, I do believe. Um, I have taken, oh my goodness me, I've had vans. Uh, in fact, Scott always used to go, she drives a van better than anyone I know. And I do drive the van very well. But there is quite, a, there's like actually quite a bit of pleasure driving a van, to be honest. I don't know if you've ever, well, you obviously yeah, do drive a van. What about? You do, you've got but, good visual. 
usual. There's something really nice yeah. about driving the van, and I like it. I feel a bit dirty. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it, it, Get stuck in. Yeah, I feel. <laughs> I feel a bit wrong, and I remember we had a really nice transporter van at one point. This is a few years ago. It was a lovely van. In fact, we're back in a transporter at the moment, but I think it's going to get changed. But um, I was, I can't remember where I was and somebody was coming towards me in another van and they did like a kind of hand signal, which looked like it was a bit inappropriate, <laughs> uh, potentially like maybe just a finger or maybe it was something a bit cool that I didn't really get because I'm so not down with the kids, to which I did respond with another finger. Then my phone went bring, 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 like on, and I was like, oh, husband, what does he want? Pressed it. Sally, why have you just stuck your fingers up at Nick? He was waving at you. He thought you were me. <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry, I thought he was being rude. <laughs> yeah, everyone seems to get out of your way when you're in a van. You, know, you get a nice Porsche next to you, that's it. They don't want to go, so they just leave you to it. Oh, but they also, when they mistake you for your husband, it's actually not even, <laughs> it's, not, it's not exactly a compliment, is it? It really isn't. But you're right then, the, the van is the workhorse, yeah. isn't it? And everything has to go in your van. Um, I think plasterers are renowned for having the dirtiest van. Vans, aren't they? They are, yeah, yeah. I mean, so your van can have so many different things of getting you through a job, which is a shame when something goes wrong and you get people that break into them because you've got all kinds of repair work. You've got, like, let's say you're a plumber, you've got little fixings that you don't want to. Uh, go away off the job once you're on it. If you've got a repair to do and you, you're trying to do it, the quickest you can get that done is money for you. It's time. So if you've got like shelving all inside and it's all prepared and it's all in neat order and you know where everything is, your time scale goes faster and obviously then your income goes more because you get more jobs done. If you haven't got a certain thing in the van and it's all a mess and you've got plaster everywhere, you just can't use the materials. You just, you've got to go off site and then go and travel an hour or whatever, taking out your day. You can tell a lot, I think, from somebody's van as well. I mean, you must be you must see this, Jake, when you get loads of uh, when you get tradesmen pull up all the time. You can tell. Yeah, we've seen multiple um, when the lads are loading the vans, obviously, for in the yard, and they want to chuck bags, and the bags are getting caught on the mixers. <laughs> the bags are getting caught on the still saws, and the ribbing ripped open, the sand's going everywhere. But then you've got the opposite end, and, and the lads that do take care of the vans, and the, they've got it all racked out with plyboard. They've built themselves. They're pleased. They've got all the new kit hanging off. They've got all these little yeah. ideas. Of the, the lads are using drainage pipe now to hold the, the drills in. Oh, so wow. So they pin it to the side of the van. And it's just like a little... It's quite smart, actually. And they just they just drop the little tools in and they're the stood there on the side. Ah, yeah, see, nice that's great, organized. isn't it? I'll be doing that, yeah. I'll be doing that later. Yeah, yeah, little little normal drainage. Two mil, and, yeah, waste pipe they use. Yeah. See, this is it. So you get, it's like a, yeah. see, yeah. I think your van is your shop window in some sense Definitely, as well, yeah. because when people do see your van, they'll sort of judge you on your skill. I know that sounds a bit bad, but we yeah. listen, it's human nature to judge. That's yeah. what we do. It's natural. We just judge people. But if you see somebody with a decent van or, well, like you say, a well-kitted out van, you think, hang on a minute, this, this person's good at what they're yeah. doing. Yeah. They're clean because everybody wants a clean tradesman in the house, yeah. don't they? Um, but then you've also got, let's just be honest, that level of British mindset of, oh, he drives a nice van, he must charge too much. Yes. So where do you get that middle ground, really? Mm-hmm. It's almost like you want to look like you're the business, but then at the same time, your customers, that's why my husband never goes to price a job in the car, never goes to price a job in the car, because if you drive a clean car, doesn't matter what it is, as long as it's a nice, clean car, mm-hmm. you'll get judged on it straight away. Mm-hmm. So then you'll get that customer going, oh, he's going to rip me off here, he's going to charge me too much. Instead of thinking... This guy's good at what he does. I'm going to get the best job ever. Yeah. So you, I suppose it's one of those catch twenty two. Yeah, it is. It's like having a bit of a balance. But 
kitted out vans. I mean, I know there's a lot of people that can get quite excited about vans, to be fair, isn't there? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Spend your life in them moving around, don't you? you know, well, the, and, and now they have air conditioning in vans, which is like a lifesaver, to be honest with you, because it's like a sweat box in, in certain vans. It can just be horrendous. Yeah, it's also like the, the lads' offices as well. Yeah. So they eat the lunch in there, they drive to and from work in there, they're around the, the merchants in there. So yeah. it's, it's, a good, it's yeah. a good asset to have, definitely. Roof racks are something that I can't stand, and I know they're really handy, and they're, they're they you know they can obviously help you, but they are the noisiest thing ever. It's awful. Uh, they just they are they're like bone shakers, aren't they? And when I've had to drive the van in the past with the roof on, it's I've felt especially in the dark at night on a rainy evening, I'm like, oh my god, it's like a horror film, and this thing's like above me. It's like it's awful. Listen, thank you so much for joining me today. Cheers, Carl. Thank you for joining me. Thank you very much. And yourself, Jake. Thanks again, Sally. Thank you so much for listening to Trade Talk. Make sure that you keep listening to more episodes coming very soon. And if you haven't already, do check out episodes one and two. Thank you so much. And we hope to see you soon. Trade Talk, powered by Travis Perkins.